Welcome, welcome, welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. What is up? Jeremy Rushing hanging out with you for, I believe this is episode 28, but it might be 29, so bear with me there. I'm really bad at actually keeping track how many episodes that we've had, even though I could probably just pull it up on the computer right now, but... Um, I'm too lazy to do that, to be completely honest. But whether this is your first time checking out 10,000 Pitches, which you picked a really good show to do so, or you've been with us from the beginning, thank you so, so much for lending us your ears for half hour, 45 minutes, an hour uh, each week to uh, you know talk soccer and tell you what's going on in Minnesota, Wisconsin, and the surrounding area from the, you know, the lower league and grassroots soccer scene. Like I said, today's episode, if you picked today, for your first 10,000 pitches listen, you probably couldn't have picked a better episode to do so because we have new forward Madison manager and former Minnesota United gaffer Carl Craig on the show. Yes, honestly, this was one of the best soccer conversations I think I've ever had. We went for over an hour. If you're looking at the time and say, you know, hour and 16 minutes, that's about how long the interview took. I'm not going to talk very long. Just a really good, long conversation that I really think and hope that you'll enjoy. But before we get to that, if you could, if you haven't yet, please subscribe. Subscribing to the podcast will let you know whenever we drop a new episode. Um, any subscriber will probably let you know that we aren't really consistent like we should be with what days we drop episodes every week. Sometimes it's a Thursday. Sometimes like today, it's a Friday. Sometimes it's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So just subscribe so that way you're notified whenever we uh, drop a new episode. And obviously more subscribers will uh, show the podcast platforms that we're more relevant to. So it helps give us a boost in terms of overall exposure. Speaking of exposure, ratings and reviews are huge for that. If you have not left the pod a rating and review, please do so on your preferred platform. And I would also say that if even if you don't utilize Apple Podcasts, if you have an iPhone, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. That would be huge as Apple Podcasts is the number one podcast uh, outlet out there. It'd be huge to get more reviews on there specifically. Also, make sure you follow us on all the socials. If you haven't, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we are at 10K Pitches. And if this is your first time checking out the show, make sure you leave a rating and review and let us know what you think. But also go back and check out some of our previous episodes. We've had a lot of really good guests on the show, especially recently. Dan Hudeman, who's the co-founder of Minneapolis City SC, joined me last week to talk about the struggles financially that they faced this year with not having an actual you know, on-field season and how they made up for a lot of those financial struggles with merchandise sales. Um, we've had Maya Hayes on in the past, who's the assistant coach of the University of Minnesota. She's also uh, alum of Sky Blue FC in the NWSL. She played for the U.S. Youth Women's National Team, so a really good conversation with her. Ali Lipscher, director of goalkeeping, new director of goalkeeping at Minneapolis City SC. She also holds the same role at the University of Minnesota. Uh, we've had her on as well. So again, a lot of really good guests. Again, we're at 28, 29 episodes, and uh, it's just been a lot of fun getting to talk local soccer with a lot of really cool people in the local soccer scene. So make sure you go out and check out some of our previous episodes if you could. But now, without further ado, let's get to new forward Madison head coach, Carl Craig. I now have the pleasure to welcome in former Minnesota United head coach and new gaffer of forward Madison in the USL, Mr. Carl Craig. Carl, how are you? Thank you so much for joining the show. I should admit, um, lovely, warm and toasty Minnesota night here. Still in <laughs> Minnesota. So, uh, oh, it's great. Um, I'm loving this weather right now. Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it too. We actually got to go out today and go for a little walk. It was it was nice. Not used to doing that this time of year. So 
uh, it was definitely, definitely nice. Uh, before we get to your, to your, uh, hiring with the Mingos, um, you know, being the former coach of Minnesota United, kind of want to get your thoughts on the, uh, three, two Western conference final loss to Seattle on Monday night. Um, how much did you, do you watch the loons these days and did you get to follow their playoff run closely? You know, I'd, um, in all honesty, I haven't watched a great deal of football this whole year. Mm-hmm. So I, I did watch a game last night. Um, I caught the second half of the game against Kansas. Uh, so in all, you know, perfectly honest, I haven't watched a lot of football. And, and to be honest with you, Jeremy, um, everything was fine before the lockdown and mm-hmm. the lockdown hit. And uh, like a lot of people, well, for me, I just thought it was irrelevant. Mm-hmm. To be perfectly frank. I know there's, a way, there's way more going on in the world, way more important things at the time um of course there was no football for quite a while mm-hmm. which was interesting because i've never in my life literally in my life had no football mm-hmm. so um it was a little strange but a little liberating at times as well yeah. however um that sort of watching football there was a i think whole of watching football was filled with me delivering online stuff to, to the kids at the youth club I was working with, yep. um, which I found pretty challenging. Um, it was just a, such a shift. Mm. Um, but yeah, I watched the game last night. Uh, you know, had a, that obviously Minnesota had a couple of half chances early on. Look, mm. I thought they started really well, the yeah. pressure. But I commented to um, someone I was, uh, so I was chatting with today, I thought, how big is that pitch in Seattle? Because it looked massive last night. Yeah. Um, the spaces were just enormous. But in Minnesota, I certainly went out to play. And I thought, oh, this looks good. But I wonder if they can sustain it. Um, now we know what the answer was. But, mm-hmm. um, no, no, for all the possession. Minnesota has always been, well, for the last couple of years, it's been dangerous on the break. Um, the free kick was tremendous. The corner kick was tremendous outside of that. Not a great deal, to be fair. Um, but after after Seattle hit the post a couple of times, I thought, oh, Minnesota, it's their day. And then uh, then they turned on the afterburners, didn't they? Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. You could you could tell. I, I don't know if it was the you know the the extra couple days rest that gave Seattle a bit yeah. of a boost or uh, what was going on. If the, you know, a lot of injuries, a lot of guys not getting a lot of pitch time over the year, if that finally caught up to them in that last 10, 15 minutes, but you're right. It, the pendulum swung pretty, pretty Oof. severely, pretty quickly. And um, after the first goal, at least to me, the writing was kind of on the wall that it's Minnesota's either going to hang on by an absolute thread or, or Seattle's going to get at least one or two more. And that's unfortunately what happened. I, I fancied them, you know, when it went to 2-1, I thought, are oh, they going to get one here? But mm-hmm. Seattle pushed forward, Minnesota hit them on the counter. But sadly, never even got close, did they? No, no, they didn't. Uh, an unfortunate uh, end to the season for Minnesota United, but um, obviously the team is is kind of on the upswing here. Um What have you made of Minnesota United's first few years in MLS? You know, they, they came in at the same time as Atlanta United. Atlanta United sort of immediately went to the top, spent a lot of money mm-hmm. to do so, won MLS Cup in their first couple of years. 
it's been the slow build for Minnesota United. And now they're, you know, a perennial, a perennial playoff team here in the Western conference. What have you made of sort of, um, you know, Minnesota United as a recent expansion club, especially compared to some of the other expansion clubs that don't see that success or really maybe haven't seen success like that in their, in their entire MLS tenure. Yeah, I, I think uh, credit where credit's due. It's been, a, you know, it was tough for them at the start because they didn't have really have a good handle on what was what. Um, mm. You know, we hear all the stories about, well, you know, we had a month to get things together. Initially, you know, when I was there, they were bringing players in. And I, don't, I, I don't think the strategy was necessarily the right one to get them to where they needed to be initially. And then they found that out pretty quickly. But um, I think they've used the resources, financial resources, and the funny money really well. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, they, they, they don't get blown away by anyone. Um, mm. so, you know, I haven't paid a great deal of attention, as I alluded to earlier, but you know, over the previous years, I, I go up there, go watch the game, see some old friends. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, Adrian's got his style of play. Bit more counter attacking. Um, I, I personally enjoy football a bit more on the front foot. I would prefer Seattle style to Minnesota's, but often resources, you know, um, it, it's at some point, you know, I, I understand his job. He, the resources he got relative, I mean, Seattle's been around and been at the top end of the pile for a long while. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to do what you can with what you've got, and I think those far, I think yeah, Adrian and his staff have done a tremendous job. So again, credit where credit's due. Um, but yeah, I, you know they're moving forward; they're establishing themselves. Uh, I think you'll see even better next year. A couple of great signings there at the start of the end. Unfortunately, you now we hit the pandemic. Um, but yeah, I think I think they'll be there or thereabouts next year again. Do you still have, uh, you know, what's your relationship like with the organization itself now? Do you still have a lot of friends who work inside Minnesota United? Uh, what's that What's that like these days? No, I mean, I would say that everyone who worked there when I was there would still be friends, but, I, I, you know, I don't want to go back there and feel like a bad smell. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I respectfully keep me distance. Manny and I keep in touch. Um, the last time I saw Ian Fuller was when... Aston Villa played in town and he said, let's get together for a beer, which is a famous Minnesotan saying. And I said, Ian, I know you're busy with your football, mate. I'm busy with mine. I appreciate it. And we do. That would be wonderful, but let's mm. not hold our breath. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's also, that's the game. You know, it's, it's uh, very often in, in the game of football, particularly at the professional level, you see one another during the game. Maybe have a quick beer or a, you know catch up after the match, and away you go. But um, you know, no. So actually, we had uh, during the lockdown. I think it was Kevin Friedland set it up. Um, we had a, a 2011 or 2012 reunion for mm-hmm. my players and staff. Uh, that was really nice. And yeah. uh, actually, this evening I was just on the phone with Man Van Opel, former goalkeeper. Okay. Um, he and I were pretty close when, when he played up here. He's um, down in, in uh, Alabama these days. Um, mm. Still playing, but also on the coaching side. So it was nice to catch up with him. Um, Neil Laverty will be my assistant. So Neil played in Minnesota 
um, 20, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, I think. I'm not sure when he left. And uh, Connor Tobin is in Madison, um, out of contract, waiting on someone knocking on his door and speaking mm. nice words to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, actually, I was chatting with Michael Reed, who was part of the group back then. Uh, chat with Michael a couple of weeks ago. Kevin Friedland, uh, Simone Bracalello, Lucas um, Rodriguez. You know, that was a wonderful group of lads. Um, yeah. You know, and, and they're still really close as well. So, you know, credit to Manny back then. Just, there was just a, such a lovely bunch of fellas together. Uh, it was tremendous. I don't know if you're on Twitter or social media much, Carl, but uh, no, zero. The, re- zero. the reaction to your hiring at Forward Madison, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've seen, I'd be hard pressed to think of another time where I've seen such resounding positive feedback from, from a coaching hiring, um, specifically from Minnesota United fans and supporters who were around when you were, when you were coaching, it was really, it was really nice to see that. And then you see people reminiscing about old times when they would go to the NSC for games and sharing old photos and videos and stuff, even though you're not on the socials, did you get a sense of that reaction? And what was, what was kind of your reaction to that reaction, I guess? Well, I mean, I, I didn't say that stuff because, I, as I say, I don't go there. Um, but actually, you know, things have changed in, in four years because in four years or four years ago, um, only close friends and confidence would, would text. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I've I probably got more friends than I realise because my phone, I've never had as many texts in my life. So mm-hmm. well wish as... Um, Predominantly from Minnesota, but former players and friends throughout the country who are still in the game. Oh, it was absolutely lovely. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't really think I deserve that kind of uh, praise. Not praise, but no, it was just it was overwhelming to be honest with you. It was lovely, and I spent all my drive home from Madison trying to answer texts and say thank you. <laughs> I still got a stack on their phone that I haven't said thanks yet to. But yeah. no, it was it was it was wonderful, and I'm so grateful. Um, you know, I had, I had a, I'm still in the Twin Cities. You know, my family are staying here in the Twin Cities. This is, uh, this is me, this is me American home. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I'm going to have to move to Madison. But um, no, I've met so many wonderful people in, not just in the pro game here with Minnesota United and all the various iterations, but in the youth game because I, I came here to coach in the youth game and. I've constantly over the years bumped into players who used to play for me in the various youth teams, youth clubs. And uh, actually, just a guy I met when I was walking my dog the other day, and he's like, hey, Carl. Uh, this was a kid, Mikas Kasturis, who he's oh, still play with all the guys from the high school, and they were Minneapolis United kids. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I forget how old I am, but these are young men now when they were kids back then. But absolutely tremendous yeah uh, definitely um so about four years uh since you were uh since you've been a coach in the in high level pro soccer now you're back in the saddle with forward madison how does it feel to be back in that that sort of role again oh brilliant um it was uh you know it's it's weird because the weather being so lovely we should be out there kicking a football so Mm -hmm. when i drove down there the other week I said to Neil, go and get the ball out. We're going to have a kick around on the grass. Well, 
everything's locked down, so we're not allowed on there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so it was a bit of a ghost town when we went down there. Um, oh, but it's really nice. I, I feel sort of, it was, it was weird, sort of, in, in 20, 2017, I was still on the payroll at Minnesota United. I didn't, I, I went to help with um, the Youth Academy tryouts. Um, you know, Manny and I got together a couple of times, a couple of few times. Um, you know, so I was kind of still hanging in the balance. I wasn't totally out of the picture. Um, and, and then eventually it was like, well, this ain't going to happen. So mm. it was a strange old year, to be honest with you. But um, to put, uh, you know, put that to one side and in all honesty, I hadn't been necessarily looking for a job in, in the pro game again. Um, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, uh, and, I, and I was frankly despondent after after being released from Minnesota. So it was a case of reflecting upon what I wanted to do, and you know what I could actually bring to whatever it was I was going to do. So um, no, and then I joined Salvo, and, and thanks very much to uh, Peter Rivard and, and Lisa Wolf for bringing me on board. And, and those two, you know, Woodbury. And um, Rev were joining together, and Peter had worked as an assistant for me at Minnesota, um, and, and you know, so that was nice. Uh, but I was kind of—I'd been an MTA um, for for a little while, and mm. maybe maybe three, four months, and I was helping out with those programs. But to be again, to be perfectly frank, my head wasn't in the right place. Uh, I went home visited my mother who was sick. Um, had a month or so over there and just I was all over the place didn't know what to do and so to be to be you know given this opportunity in Madison it's like a, a new lease of life I'm getting up in the morning excited about still sitting on my computer like most yeah. people are these days but I, I feel a real sense of purpose um, Neil and I chat every day you know uh, Zoom every day and I've, I've got calls galore me inbox is, is full of um, recommendations from scouts and players just reaching out. So well, there's no shortage of work and tasks to be done, but um, it actually I feel really good about it. You go to the attic and dust off old playbooks and, and strategy <laughs> books and stuff like that. It's funny, you know, um, I've always been a reader and follower of like coaching methodology, most of you so. I've been fortunate enough as well the last couple of years. I've, I've um, been involved with US Soccer's coach education department um, and, and learning from some really you know, high-class, top-quality educators and coach educators. So I've delivered stuff around the country myself. Um, but really, uh, you know, they've given me stuff I've been searching for and answers I've been searching for and you know, it's helped me tie together a lot of the reading that I've done. So, you know, um, tactical periodization and all that kind of stuff, which I've been reading and, and teaching games for understanding coach methodology, which I first got involved with back in, I think it was 1990 or so back in in, in England. And uh, I'll take little bits and pieces here. And here I am now where, you know, this is, this is kind of the all these bits brought together, kind of the methodology these days, certainly the methodology for US soccer. Yeah. And anyone listening who's interested, this is by far and away the best time 
getting the college education um, at every level. So from the grassroots licenses through to the pro licenses, they've got outstanding educators who are constantly, you know, reevaluating, evaluating and reevaluating the work they've done and the content. Um, and, and they are also outstanding educators. So this is the time I think we're in a great place in terms of coach education in this country, and it's been headed up by some absolutely outstanding men and women. So seriously, get yourself in there. If you if you really mm-hmm. want to learn, mm-hmm. don't just go for the badge, but understand that the, the badge can open doors for you, or the license can absolutely. open doors. But for those who are really interested in the actual processes, no better time than there is right now, I promise you. I'm assuming during your time off, the phone rang a few times with teams uh, kind of inquiring about about your services. Were you ever close to taking any other pro coaching jobs before before Madison came calling? No, and you know I I'd, I interviewed with, um, with with Chicago, um, and I didn't it, it didn't quite go well. I didn't get hired. Simple as that. Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, no, I was hopeful of that, and in all honesty, I had to step back. And I'd, again, I was I was given the opportunity to work with U.S. Soccer, um, in which I was quite happy doing, to be honest with you. Um, I coached the youth team, um, and again, hands up, full full disclosure. I mean, I was I was a bit tough with them, um, and uh, my expectations weren't quite being met. Well, what I what I realised is, you know, I should have met them. We actually, in the end of the day, we did quite well, relatively speaking. But um, I think I was expecting more from them, and I was probably a little more than they were expecting as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, timing wasn't great for, for for them or me, in a sense. But by the end of the year, I had this this bunch of fellas playing football like I don't think they played football like it. I think we were a little bit would be pitted into a division which was a bit beyond us. Mm-hmm. But um, for me, it was such a, an eye-opener and I, I had to step back from that a bit and say, okay, what's this all about? You know, um, because those young lads didn't, didn't want what I wanted. But mm-hmm. what I realised pretty quickly, it's, you know, as a, as a coach and a teacher, uh, particularly at that level of football, I need to meet them. Um, so, you know, this has also been a, a time of real, honest, true reflection on my part to say what what where do I need to improve? Um, you know, how might I tweak my approach to it, etc. And um, you know, this Madison gigs came along at a time where I feel, you know, re- as I said, reinvigorated, fresh with ideas, um and, and full of confidence that I can actually lead the club forward, but also the environment, you know, mm. and you mentioned the fancy I'm going to sort out. Madison, um, very similar, yeah. very very similar. So that, that's what really excites, excites me as well. In addition to the football, I would say from a, from a surface level perspective, forward Madison and Carl Craig seem like a match made in heaven. There, both have a ton of personality, <laughs> a lot of respect in and for the game. Um, you know, you mentioned that was that was kind of the the, the kind of the driving factor in terms of you making that decision. Um, how was the process of getting in contact with Madison and interviewing and then actually getting the job? Did they reach out to you? Did, did you reach out to them? And kind of how long did that process take? I think it all happened over about a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. 
Jeff Reiner, Reuter, depending on how you pronounce it. Mm. Do, you, do you know Jeff with the athletic? Oh, I love, yeah. Jeff and I work really closely together on the, on the Loons coverage. So, yeah. Okay. So, so I know Jeff. Um, our, my wife and I were invited to Jeff's wedding last year. And when we were at the wedding, um, a fellow who I'd worked with when I was in Minnesota, who's a football consultant, um, Matt Cairns, was, was there. So Matt and I were having a good old chin wag at Jeff's wedding. And, um, you know, he was asking me what I was up to. And, I'd, you know, he, he was representing some players at Minnesota when I was working there. And uh, he said, you know, if there's anything comes up, I'll, you know, if you're interested, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll tip, the, uh, tip the nod to you. So not too long before this opening happened, Matt and I had been chatting about some, you know, we got together and had a coffee and social distanced and all that stuff. And um, said, look, if there's anything, I think I'm ready for it right now. If anything comes up, give me a shout. So um, he'd had connections with the Madison Club uh, through football, as you know, through introducing players to them and representing players who, who are currently on the roster. And uh, so that, that was how it came about. Um, so he introduced me to them and uh, it was a couple of week process with lots and lots of interviews and online stuff. Um, yeah, that's, that's how it started and that's how it, it uh, sort of manifested itself. Sounds like you owe Jeff Reuter an agent's commission or something like that for his <laughs> wedding kind of setting all that up. <laughs> might, might owe Jeff more than an agent's commission about his uh, cocktails we've consumed, <laughs> Matt and I talking football. <laughs> Oh man. Well, uh, a great thing. the, the piece Jeff wrote on you back in April of 2019, um, admittedly is something that I, I referenced or, or looked at quite a bit when doing some research for this, just, just okay. very, very good stuff there. Um, in it, he mentions kind of how, uh, you know, your, your relationship with Manny Lagos, obviously mm-hmm. you were the assistant manager during Manny's time, uh, at the helm. Um, in the early yep. 2010s for both Minnesota Stars and Minnesota United. Um, how much mm-hmm. did you learn from, from Manny about being a head coach and how much do you attribute kind of your, your coaching style or, or just kind of your role as a coach now to, to him? Um, good point. I think the fact that I was I'm actually older than Manny <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, although I hadn't coached, at that level, um, I, I came with my own sort of style. Mm-hmm. But what a, what a, what, Manny was so single-minded. Um, he knew exactly what he wanted, and he would meticulously keep his little book, um, you know, and, and write down everything, everything that he worked on, and he meticulous at note-taking, reflections upon training, players, performance, Etc. Etc. And um, if you know Manny, um, Manny's a great talker when it comes to football. Um, so passionate, and uh, you know, so it, it was lovely to be in the and work with a guy who was so passionate about football. Because often um, in this country, for me, it was it was. I hadn't met so many Americans who are steeped in the game as Manny is steeped in the game. Mm. So of course, was a was a tremendous footballer, but his passion for it off the field as well was was infectious. 
So actually, he bring get his kids up in the morning, me and him, you know, get on the phone. We'd always watch football, and and um, to this day, he's still the same. He never misses a game that's on television. Um, so so I think the coaching process, he and I both evolved together. Um, you know, I I'd been sort of formally trained, as it were, and he'd been um, sort of. Of course, his dad was a massive influence in all the coaches that he'd worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was kind of a, like he was firmly in charge. There was, you know, certainly in, in the last couple of years um, when he was the boss, it was it was a bit more of a blending of the both of us. Initially, you know, I, I was more of a, a support act for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, as we grew as a partnership, and there was it was a sort of greater interaction between the two of us, and then our sort of methodology evolved, you know, as, as it came towards the end of his tenure. But, um, yeah, we still stay in touch. Um, I was just chatting with him last week. Um, actually, you know, and, and Oscar Olson, who was an agent of Miguel Ibarra and Christian Ramirez, um, I'd reached out. Manny had reached out to Oscar on my part and. He said, you know, I'm ready to get back in the game. So Manny reached out to Oscar for me, and I'd, um, Matt and I had been in touch. So if, if Madison hadn't came off, who knows where I might have got? Maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I'd still be sitting here. But Oscar, Oscar's got uh, gigs all over the world, you know. So mm-hmm. who knows? Definitely. But um, that's kind of, you know, the the sort of. Um, uh, the genesis, if you will, of, of both Manny and we're still really close. Um, mm-hmm. We're still so grateful. I, I don't think he gets enough enough um, respect. Uh, and it feels it feels weird at times. People talk to me, and I, I get sort of column inches um, mm-hmm. because of Minnesota United, and he's in the background. Yeah, he's fully engaged in what goes on there. But people seem to forget that he was the boss, and. Mm-hmm. To bring the club, you know, from nothing, and I know he'd invested his own money in getting it moving in 2010, before 2010, and it went bust, and, and I think he took a considerable financial hit, but he didn't bleat about it, you know, he's had such a strong desire to build the football club back up, um, not only through effort, but um, through fight his own financial resources. Uh, Bill Maguire what Manny really started so you know it was mm-hmm. yeah, I had a part in that Angie who's still up there had a massive part of playing that Kevin Friedland um, John Buholtz but um, yeah Manny was driving that thing so he, you know people need I think people would do well to remember that he deserves way more credit than I think he's given now, if you don't, if you don't mind, I'd uh, like to talk about the uh, critically acclaimed YouTube series Tea Time for a second here. <laughs> uh, for, the, for those who don't know, you, you did a few videos for the Loons where you would drink tea and either talk about what happened in the latest match or just sort of randomly go off on other stuff. Where did this <laughs> idea come from? Did you have a hand in creating it or did someone just come to you with it and say, hey, you know, I have this idea, let's do this. How did that sort of uh, manifest itself? I don't know if you were around at the time, Jeremy. Actually, I don't think you were. Oh, maybe you were, sorry. Brad Baker. So Brad Baker was the main media man there. And um, Brad is an outstanding filmmaker. 
he didn't have much experience in sports at the time, but a top filmmaker. And, you know, he was trying to, he, well, not trying, he, his job was to promote the football club. And he was so outside the box. And I think it was, he did another one. Um, I think he's called it the, the rules of soccer or something like that. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Did you see that? Not, not that one, no. Hunt that one out. That is absolutely <laughs> tremendous. Um, I'll come back to that in a minute. But so Brad, Brad was the fella behind this. And just his, he obviously had seen something in me. Um, maybe I was just a tea time broke all the time, you know, and he just decided to put the sort of the tea time bit. I think that the whole Brits and tea thing in this country was part in part, but. In all honesty, I mean, there has to be a little bit of that that I am because I know a lot of people would just say, we've got this stack of quotes, we've got a quote page of Carl Craig things and <laughs> I just talk and stuff comes out and sometimes <laughs> apparently it's quite funny. But <laughs> I'm not, hey, I just, had, you know, just before I've joined you, I just had me Earl Grey, so you're not going to get any F's and Jets. Oh, man. Who knows what I'm going to say? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta ask, was was, was it a, at all scripted, or was it just stuff that came off the top of your head? How'd you how'd you figure out the content it, that was actually going to be in that? He would he would just how it would work. He would just throw something at me, and yeah. I'd just go with it. You know, some 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 tight editing, but he would throw a subject, and then I, I would literally it's all right. We're coming to see you on Tuesday, and actually it was a part of me contract. And I had to do that. Oh, stuff. my God. <laughs> That's amazing. So, um, you know, the whole Ibsen stuff and all that was like, you know, it was funny. I did, um, when we, not so much here, but we travel away. And I remember people would say, hey, coach, you know, at the stadium. Hey, thumbs up for the tea time and all that stuff. And, <laughs> but, yeah, so Brad Baker, he's now at um, Nashville. Okay. Um Brad's a top man, uh, but yeah, it was his idea. He'd read and he knew that he knew I was a bit of he knows I'm a bit of a lefty and blah 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 and read the read the newspapers quite a lot and he would just throw a subject in the way I went and then he'd cut cut cut. So that <laughs> was good. Carl, we'll have to talk off air about getting some tea time merchandise created or something. <laughs> getting some t-shirts, <laughs> some coffee mugs, some some teacups. I think that'd be perfect. I think that'd be perfect. I don't, um, I, you know, what did they do? I'm, a, I'm surprised they didn't do something like that. Um, you know, I had those photographs before you came into town. So um, there was one year that, you know, they did the team photographs and the headshots. And mm. I turned sideways and put me, my fist under my chin <laughs> and the sideways on profile. And then they made a little, little pin of that. Um, and that went down well. And then the next year, when they did the team photographs, you know, I had all this fancy gear. Mm. And then I, I lay lay on my stomach with me with my hands on my chin <laughs> and put, kick my heels up behind us like a cheerleader. That's and, awesome. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? I don't take myself too serious in it. It's like, you know, you gotta give give some some give something back in that way, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. football's a serious business, but um Hey, I'm I'm a normal bloke. I, I do I work hard, you know. But I, I, you know, hey, this is this football. They can't enjoy football. What can you? What, what is it? You know. So 
you know, there's nothing wrong with having a little fun. Nothing wrong with exactly. having a little fun. That's for sure. Exactly. Uh, you know, I mean, it's funny because, you know, we go, like people go to work. So I go to work. We have a bit natter and a bit banter in the dressing room. But on the training field, you work. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you might, it's always, it's like any job. There's moments where, you know, your head's down, deadly serious. And in between, maybe you go to the water cooler, what have you, or between activities, you know, have a little laugh and a giggle and a chocolate and what have but and then back to work. And yeah, I mean, it's like any other job. Has to be. Go crazy otherwise. <laughs> so in your forward Madison contract, there wasn't anything in there that said you had to take part in any viral YouTube comedy sketches or anything like that, do you? No, but they like the tea time thing as well. So oh, yeah. I would say that fits with their <laughs> brand pretty good. I'd say, I, I don't know, can we expect more tea time or anything like that with the with the Mingos? Yeah, yeah I, I think, here's my only concern. Um, you know, that in Minnesota, it was much more, it was an adult audience. It was mm. already an adult audience. So I'm, I'm a little... Hands up! I'm I'm nervous about the bad language and, and that sort of stuff. I don't want to be sort of saddled with being the effer and Jeffer. Mm. Um, you know, players and coaches do enough of that on the training field. Um, I I want to be a fella who is approachable to everyone. And I think if there's too much bad language, it, it's not good for the kids to hear. So I'm I'm very happy to be who I am. Um, but I mean, part of that was. I think part of the, the comedy was the swearing bit, which they loved. But mm. I'm, I'm just a little bit nervous about that, to be honest with you. I, I, think, I think that's fair. I, I, one of the things in Jeff's piece that really stood out to me was, uh, it was a quote you had, and I don't know the exact quote, I didn't pull the exact quote, but it was about finding that balance and being nervous about, you know, not wanting to take yourself too seriously, but still kind of having that professionalism that, that a manager should have. Um, where you're at now, you know, I mean, it's been seven years, I think, since tea time now. How, how do you view that? You know, do you kind of still have the same same viewpoint on that? Or are you a little bit more not worried about it? Kind of where, where are you in that regard now? Um, no, I mean, people who know it know I am who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't need to swear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but depend on the company, and if, if my company are swearing, then I swear, and I'm, I'm, I'm mindful of, and even then, you know, I, I do my interviews with the press and what have you, I don't swear, and a lot of, you know, on everyday language, sometimes I swear, sometimes I don't, but yeah, I think the big thing for me is that I don't become a caricature mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, but I, I suppose it's the openness um, which could possibly leave me a little vulnerable. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm not scared of that. I'm not afraid of that. But um, I also want to be able to project, you know, certain businesses want a certain image. Mm. Um, and, and if I'm portrayed as being too goofy, maybe I'm not the right person for that company mm. uh, to support their club. And, and I don't want it to be to the detriment of the football club. I think... The football club have had a sense or have a sense of who I am as a person. Um, want to they want to sort of utilize the the, the unconventional side, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think they're going to be looking for um, sponsors who would sort of think negatively 
of who I who I am. And and but at the same time, I still think there has to be a level of uh, well, a, me- a more measured approach rather than that sort of woohoo here we yeah. go. And and I'm fine, quite fine with supporting their projects and how they go about their business and maybe in me. Uh, but I, I think, as just mentioned before, Jeremy, I, I think there's a fine line between, well, I think you've got to understand who your audience is. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't think the sweary thing is, is well, I don't want to be there, to be honest with you. For, yeah. But the but sort of acting the goat and that sort of thing, I'm, you know, the times I don't even have to try. <laughs> it just yeah. happens. So. Just I don't even out. know I'm doing it. I don't well, I mean, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, you are who you are. And I think, um, yeah. you know, kind of as, as you've alluded to, uh, Forward Madison just kind of seems like the right place where you can be kind of most yourself, right? I think that's kind of... That is, that is, it. it's funny because in speaking, I spoke with um, with some of their people there, was it last night? It just, the, the days are going, it's just swirling right now. Trying to get me, me feet on the floor. So many things to be done. But um, yeah, I think what's, you know, maybe I was a little off the wall or just different as a coach because I don't see myself, whilst I'm working in sports, I actually see myself as working in the entertainment business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, I, I, if I look at most sports coaches and the fit a certain type of profile, and I don't fit that profile, I don't think. Not to an extent, I don't. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm not a jock in so much as, you know, I carry myself. I'm not into that macho sort of. <laughs> not who I am. Um, never has been. So, but I think where soccer fans are in this country, that that fits my pro. I am like a you know, it, it's well tabled out there that you know I listen to punk rock music. I'm a I'm a lefty. Pol- follow left-wing politics and have that, you know, I support uh, GLBTQ politics, Black Lives Matter, cooperative spirit, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, that's who I am. And, and uh, I, I think what happened as I mentioned to, to a friend not too long ago, sort of the punk rock thing was a wake up for me and it was sort of a shift from the normalcy of what everyone was doing in the UK when I was a young kid. And it gave me something else that was exciting, mm-hmm. invigorating, and, and a whole different view on things. And I got into that stuff when I was like 11, 12 years old. And, but I had to grow up pretty quickly, you know, and the music evolved so fast and it probably still does. I'm just not following it anymore. But the evolution from being a, a young lad thinking, oh, this is great, it's like, like little boy, little naughty boys and girls, you know, sort of fu type stuff, mm-hmm. to sort of having a political med, uh, edge and sort of opening up um, issues and, and ideas to me. So from being quite young, sort of fifth, fourteen, you know, going on marches, being fourteen, fifteen, um, nuclear power, no thanks, and campaign for nuclear disarmament type stuff when I was 14, 15 years old to, you know, um, going to hunt, being you know, part of the Hunt Saboteurs movement and 
veganism, animal welfare, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, workers' rights union stuff, and anti-racist, anti-fascist type things, all of those sorts of issues sort of came to me when I was pretty young. And so whilst I'm not pretty young anymore, yeah, that's kind of it's funny, I say it's mainstream, it's not, it's mainstream in the with the people who I hang out with. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, I keep forgetting that the whole country's not like that. Mm-hmm. But Twin Cities, Minnesota is very like that. Yeah. Uh, Madison in, in that sort of area of Wisconsin is very like that in, in other pockets of the nation. So what I think is normal, it just means that it's normal to me. And I'm not on the outside of the fringes. People like me, Chumma Wamba used to sing uh, that you hear me, you see me, and there are millions more just like me. Yep. You know, but we didn't we didn't realize at the time we're kind of stuck out in the fringes and people like us. Yeah, there are there are millions of us. Yeah. Fortunately. <laughs> you know, so so yeah, I, I just think as I've moved on and kept with it, it's became more quote unquote normal. Yeah. I think it has. <laughs> I, I would I would agree with that for sure. Um, I'm trying to figure out the best way to ask this question. You talk about Forward Madison kind of being most uh, alike to what it was like when you were at Minnesota United and kind of fitting your mm-hmm. personality and stuff. Even with that being said, and with your contacts from Minnesota United kind of helping you uh, slide into this role with Forward Madison, is it still weird kind of moving into a club now that's still kind of so closely aligned with Minnesota United as far as like fan bases and stuff goes? Because there's a, there's a lot of people who, you know, support Minnesota United that also follow uh, and support Forward Madison too. Is it weird after all this time going to a club that is kind of so close to Minnesota United? No, no because... I mean, I, I don't think, you know, it's not Green Bay and, and the Vikings, not the Packers mm-hmm. and the Vikings. I think there's that brotherhood, sisterhood yep. between the Madison, uh, forward Madison and Minnesota United. So it is a, a part of that big family who exists around this country in terms of football. And whilst, you know, you want your team to beat that team, I think it's that the commonality of, of what we love about football and the shared interest and the shared interest of making this, this being not making this, but this is actually bigger than the Mm -hmm. football and we can support the causes and worthy causes, promote worthy and viable causes through football. Mm -hmm. I think that's the the massive connection, you know, um, where's Burdine's place there at the Black Heart. I think, um, I don't know what Madison's equivalent is yet, but, um, you know, I, I think you've got those types of people in those groups who have such a connection. And uh, no, I think I think football, and, and this is just a lazy term for me, football is the punk rocker sport in this country. Yep, I agree. Um, and, and the punk rockers of Minnesota are the similar kinds of punk rockers of Portland, Oregon, you know, Portland Timbers. Um, forward Madison, etc. So I, I think you've got. I know Minnesota has a, a great rapport with the Portland Timbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the, the the big the big rivalry or the rival is is Sporting Kansas, um, mm-hmm. and I'm sure Kansas has has a similar fan base which attracts Minnesota. Of yep. course, it is the closest closest MLS game as well. But no, I just think it's it's the 
the commonality and the 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 ethos of and, and just who the people are, the fan club base is that's what that's what brings them together. But so for me, brilliant. Mm. You know, I, I wanna we get an opportunity to play Minnesota in the future in the open cup. Hey, I want my team to win, but you know, Minnesota, Minneapolis, Twin Cities is, is my American home. So I'm, these are my people. I've been I've lived in this community 25 years. You know, so I'm, I'm thinking, these, yeah, I mean, I'm just moving to a new place to get some new brothers and sisters. Uh, you're entering USL at a time where it's a little bit, a little bit unstable, and uh, I don't know if this is a strong term, but contentious between the players' association and the and the ownership right now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what is it like, kind of coming into USL at this time? Uh, was that kind of a, you know, something that you had been paying close attention to beforehand? And kind of what are what are your thoughts on everything? And does that give you guys a, give you guys a little bit of a, a disadvantage when it comes to potentially, you know, signing guys that you would want on the squad? You know, I was only brought to me attention this weekend, so I really didn't have a clue about what was going on. Um, I, I'm a former union rep, so I believe in, mm. in doing well for the workers, um, particularly, well, not more so than any other business, but in football, it's a tough business in this country, you know, in the lower leagues. Mm. Um, so I believe in the union and what they're trying to do for the game. Um, as far as I understand, Jeremy, it's only and only looking at, at the championship at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And and whilst it's it's you know it's going to be challenging for players from outside the country, and I'm a whilst I'm not a player, um, you know, so certainly being in the leagues in, in soccer in the United States has been so good to. to thousands of Brits and, and non-US nationals, such as myself. Um, it's tough, you know. I think it's, I, I think the influx of players from, from overseas or, you know, outside of the nation has helped. Mm-hmm. But I also understand that the, the situation for players in the, the current in the US nationals isn't necessarily the greatest. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's it's an honest approach. Um, I think it's. I can see I I can see how um, or why they would why the the union would do it because they want the best for the people, mm. um, and so therefore I understand it. I don't know the ins and outs, so I really I'd be talking out line and and just mm. blowing smoke. But I can see why they want to do it. Um, I can see from the owner's perspective. Um, well, maybe they don't, but I see from a football perspective, international players are good. But then I see from a domestic perspective, American players want to go. Because if I do look at Minnesota right now, Minnesota United right now, we're not seeing many American players come through. We're seeing a lot of Central South American players come yep. through, and, and that's similar across the board, not just here in Minnesota. So you know, the gap is getting bigger and bigger between USL and MLS, and college football in particular. Yep. So I think um, there needs to be a bridge somewhere. Um, you know, if those players are getting a better education outside of the United States, well, college certainly produces footballers, but it didn't necessarily provide the environment for that growth. Yeah. Because, you know, for 
being a professional footballer in this country is, is there's not many just now leave it or joining as a pro at 16 years old. So when you see that happening throughout the world, you've had all that football, you've had the competition, you've had the various bits and pieces, and you, you grow from being a young person into a young adult, and you're constantly evolving in your growth and your programming fits in alignment or aligns mm. with what world soccer and professional <laughs> soccer is. <coughs> Pardon me. That in football, basketball, hockey is the same from being a kid to the pros. But that's where it differs in soccer. So it's almost like you have to retrain in a sense. Yeah. Raw to be a pro soccer here once you've hit sort of an adulthood. Whereas it's a natural evolution in the other American sports. We do it different because college follows a different way the pro game you don't train you know you're not training all the time you're not playing over nine months of the year you're not playing the same number of games etc so that that has a, an impact on the evolution of a youth a young soccer player in this country so um i don't know it's i think usl still has a valid place it has a valid place in the community mm. can still provide great entertainment can still provide a, a great learning environment for the higher leagues because um, you've seen it throughout the world, the reserve teams don't necessarily provide the, the first team of what they need. And whether it be Barcelona or Minnesota United, not quite right now because they're rejigging their, their academy and what have you, but certainly other, other pro clubs will either have a partnership or a relationship with another pro club or, you know, like in Barcelona, etc., they'll have a, a second club playing in a lower division where Yep. where they can hope and go their own players there. So, yeah, I think it's definitely valid. Um, it's just some some sort of, you know, deep thinking to see where the advantages and disadvantages are for, for, for whatever they decide upon. The the developmental soccer kind of situation in America is something that, that I mean, I'm very much kind of enamored by and I'm, I'm very interested in. I could go on. I mean, we, I could talk to you for two, <laughs> two and a half hours on developmental versus yeah. college and what the solutions potentially are. But we'll yeah. maybe save that conversation for another time. I want to wrap up here by just talking a little bit about the future. Um, so obviously only a few players have been confirmed for the 2021 uh, forward Madison roster. But have you spoken with, you know, Michael Vang or any of the guys who are locked in for next season yet? Not, not yet. Uh, actually, no, I haven't. <laughs> I'm thinking actually. No, I mean, I've, I've been in touch, but I haven't actually spoken. Um, mm. With due respect to them, um, they're on a massive list to do. But of course, they're taking yep. care of. I speak with their, their consultants and agents and that sort of thing. So, mm. um no, and this is this sounds a little harsh, but it, it's a bit like a direct TV account. You know, yeah. um, you're in, you're in, and I'm all right, and yeah. I know you're safe and things are good. Um, the, the priority right now, to be honest, is the guys who are not signed. Yeah. Because um, it's a totally different conversation. There are certainly fellas who are not signed who I would love to bring back, uh, but that we got revolves around some of the. Oh, Entail some negotiation. Um, and of course, there are people out there in the big wide world of football who are looking to attract. And um, that's a, a lot of work for both Neil, himself, and uh, 
reconnecting with an awful lot of agents that I worked with in the past. And, uh, you know, college people too, scouts, agents, close friends throughout the country, coaches, the lot. So um, that's way easier said than done, but there is an absolute pilot role, uh, pilot role's worth of things to do mm-hmm. to, uh, to take care of. But Michael Vang is, um, you know, those young lads, I did had a nice meeting with Eric Leonard uh, when I was down in Madison there. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a really nice young man. Um, it was really nice. It was lovely. He just happened to be there when I was there. So he and I had a lovely chat. Neil was in on the conversation. Um, I've been quite impressed by um, by Vang. I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting him in person. I'm looking forward to, to meeting young Mr. Fusan. Because these are the kind of players that we want to attract. Yeah. Young, ambitious, certainly can play, have a massive upside, are athletic and excited to play football. So my goal for those fellas is not only to uh, excel on the field for Madison, but to move up and beyond. Uh, because this, you know, this can be a proven ground. I want to help players improve but I also want that. I want it to be a bit of a shop window for these young lads mm. to show what they've got and uh, move forward to bigger and better things if that's what they want. Um, if that's not what they uh, not what they want, it's unlikely that they'll be around for a long time. So I, I need guys chomping at the bit who are mm. ambitious to really to go forward. Um, there's a limited lifespan in these leagues, I think. For, for various reasons. So the best way to get out of here is in a blaze of glory with a club in a higher league saying, hey, we want you. And, uh, you know, turning back and saying, hey, I've, I've left a good legacy there and I love playing at that club and look what I was proud of, look what I was part of. So that, it, that would be a perfect ending for me, for a, a young fella moving up to, when he leaves the football club. Uh, being that you just took the job, are, are you already getting involved in the recruiting process or um, uh, do you just have plans to get involved here in the near future? Kind of what's that timeline look like for you? No, absolutely involved. Um, when they offered me the job, um, the next day I was straight on the phone um, to Neil Laventy and Neil and I were having conversations and saying, okay, Tell me a bit more about your roster. You know, through the interview process, they asked me about the roster. So I'd, I'd been watching game film and looking at the individuals. Um, you know, so that's how I know about Michael and, uh, you know, the, the guys who have signed. So, and, 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 um, no, so, yeah, you can't necessarily, you kind of go into a, into a gig and not know what they've got. But, um, Neil is, is, certainly ahead of me in terms of knowing, having a greater depth of knowledge of players within the league. Um, you know, so, you know, this, this was, of course, it came as a surprise to Daryl as well. So um, they'd certainly had a, had a target list of players who they were looking for, uh, looking towards. So that list's on the board. Neil and I have been going through that list to see what matches up. Um, you know, obviously Daryl would have had his, his opinions I've got mine. Neil and I will um, 
you know, we'll share our thoughts and, and you know, Neil knows the profile of the player that I'm looking for. Um, he has a good idea of, of how we want to play our football. And uh, so, you know, I've had some, some a guy called Gareth Smith, who was down in Drake. Um, he's a good friend of mine. He's, he called me up this morning uh, and offered his services and reaching out. So, um, you know, he's, he's heavily involved in US soccer. Um, Peter Rivard at Salvo, also heavily involved with um, US soccer and, and with Salvo, has offered his services to keep his eyes and ears open for me. So there's Ian Barker um, with the uh, United Soccer coaches. So there's all these relationships that I had over the years. They understand the level. Have um, all been or closely attached to the, follow, uh, the college game and sort of wider platforms on, on a national national basis. So there's more than enough eyes out there. Um, it's just now choosing the right ones. As far as coaching style, what can uh, Mingo's fans expect from the on-field product with Carl Craig at the helm? Is it, is it going to be much of the same, what we saw at Minnesota United, or has your philosophy changed at all during, during your four years away? You know, I think um, when I was at Minnesota, in, in, when I was the boss at Minnesota, um, I was kind of teetering. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't necessarily the greatest version of who I think I am. Um, you know, it was a little bit of experimentation. I didn't necessarily have the control of, uh, as I have here in Madison. Um, and that's not a shot at anyone. It's just the situation, just the way it was. Because um, we had good players, but I was, you know, I, there was so much going on at the time. Um, maybe I wasn't as clear in my thoughts as I should have been. So right now, uh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a better version of, of what I was then uh, because I've got clearer thoughts. I'm not caught up in the... MLS stuff, I'm not caught up in the new head coach, I'm not caught up in you know, I must win to keep the job frankly like every club the expectation is that we get the playoffs and of course we want to win the league, every, that's what every owner is going to say and it's natural um, they, spend, they spend their cash in. but I think, you know, I haven't watched Madison last year um, the type of football that excites me is attacking football um, protagonistic front foot, um, you know, a couple of teams out, you know, you might look at look at Liverpool currently. Um, if we can play football like Liverpool, if we can play football like Bayern Munich and those kinds of, that's the kind of football I enjoy watching. I'd like to produce a type of football, Leeds United, um, that kind of football, but they're special footballers. But I need players to, it's that kind of attitude and that sort of desire that I want. Now, the the game at this level and the game at the college level is very much a game in transition. Yep. So, you know, you don't have the football forever. So I need to have players who can control the football and keep it longer. Mm-hmm. But I also need, and this is a big part of the US game, and I think it's a, a part of the game where in, both in the Premier League and here in the US, and that game last night, Minnesota and, and or Seattle and Minnesota, end to end when the game stretched. Yeah, that's exciting football. It is. Now, from a coach's perspective, that's hard to live with. <laughs> from a from a fan perspective, 
That's, yeah. that's bloody, that's great to watch. Yeah. Um, so I, in all honesty, uh, Jeremy, I want, I think we're playing some good football at Minnesota. We had, we had some good players. Mm-hmm. We had some very good players. It was all exciting. Yep. You know, um, again, in hindsight, the things would do different, but that's, that's always the case. But we were an exciting team to watch and some of those battles we would have with the Cosmos, um, yeah. you know, I don't think it was ever a bad game. We often came out the wrong side of, of the victory, but, uh, but they were so exciting, uh, mm. you know, and, and both teams going at it. So, you know, that's, we keep losing those kinds of things. I'm not being the job and I'll probably not be speaking to you again. <laughs> you know, because fans will say, oh, well, we want excitement. We want to be engaged. And you know what? But if you get beat all the time, it's, I know fine well. You keep losing, you get fired. Yep. And fans get pretty paid off if yep. your team keeps losing. So there has, there's a fine line between winning and losing and entertainment. So, yes, we want to entertain. If we're, I think, if we're entertaining and in the playoff spot, I think people will be, I'll just think this, that's not the truth. People will think what they think. Um, and I think that will be a successful season, um, you know, relatively speaking. But we'll have to, you know, the club is so supportive. The fan base is so supportive. There is that level of expectation. And, and there's a level of expectation that, they want to be turned on at the football match as well, you know. Mm-hmm. They they want their enthusiasm matched with with the appearance of enthusiasm on the field, and that's what I love to watch myself. So mm-hmm. it fits. This is the thing that I'm saying. It it absolutely fits. And um, so we don't want to take too much more of your time. My team, Newcastle United, the football right now is miserable to watch. Yeah, for me as a Newcastle fan. The city, I don't know if you've ever been there, the city is known as a party town throughout Britain and Europe. Mm-hmm. Work hard, play hard type place. Very much a blue-collar city. Um, and the football just doesn't match who we are as a people. Mm-hmm. And, and whilst we're happy to get the W, it's, it's tough. You know, you talk like... And so, you know, I'm Kevin Keegan is the boss. It's always been up and down, you know. I'm 55 years old. I've never seen them win a trophy. Yeah. But you know, when you're young and you don't know much better, a win's a win, and it's brilliant. When Kevin Keegan came and started to play in the early 80s, just because of him, we played some great football. Peter Beardsley, Kevin Keegan, Chris Waddle, great footballers. And then Keegan came back again in the early 90s, and we were absolutely tremendous, exciting, winning the second division. Football was outstanding, promoted, you know, those few years were outstanding. And then Doug Leach, it's kind of simmered a little bit, Wood Hullet, and then Bobby Robson came and the football went up again. So whilst we didn't win anything, it was so exciting to watch. And I mean, come on, even bloody we had the film Goal, where we were featured in that, that movie series. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you watched that. So hey, we hit the world stage and Remember, people said, "Oh, from Newcastle. Oh, you see the film go? Yeah, yeah, of course I did. You know, so <laughs> put on the you know, people in on Newcastle, but they knew Newcastle because of bloody goal. But um, no, I think that's that is actually that's part of what I what I want to be in Madison for. Mm-hmm. I want to. That's the kind of player I want. 
Um, I watched Chelsea versus uh, Leeds the other day, and I'm watching now. I think Bielsa, I'm a fan of Bielsa. Yeah. But that, you know, even though Leeds lost, that's exciting to watch. I mean, that's that's you know, their brand of football is. I mean, it's it's almost must watch. Like it's appointment absolutely. it's appointment television when they're on. Yes. If it's yes. if it's Tottenham and Man City. But Leeds is on at the same time. I'm probably going to watch yeah. Leeds, to be completely honest, because because of Jack Harrison and because of the way they play. Yeah, no, and you know what? It's it's funny. Um, this is the American the American coach and me because of Jack Harrison. Because Leeds, you know, next to next to um, Sunderland, Leeds on Newcastle's next big enemy because mm-hmm. they are Leeds is only 90 miles from Newcastle, so they take a bring a massive crowd to Newcastle. And I think, you know, we take a massive crowd to their place. Leeds is a big city. Leeds is, Leeds is a storied football club. Mm-hmm. The Castles, you know, Leeds has had more success. I'm saying the modern era, 50 years is hardly bloody modern. But yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, Leeds and Newcastle are two big industrial working class cities. Yep. Northern cities, you know, big, big rivalry. And uh, 30 Leeds. Oh, I think just to watch the new is, is tremendous. I'm with it. Harrison, because of me time here, mm-hmm. watching him get picked up in the draft and then going back over there is brilliant. Yeah. I love it. I'm actually uh, in the middle of watching their documentary. I don't know if you've watched the Leeds documentary, uh, Take Us Home on Amazon Prime. I think it's their, it's either the 2018 season because I don't think it was the season where they got promoted. They came close, but they didn't get promoted. Yeah um it's just it's amazing it was the it was the spygate season it was like right. russell crow uh does the uh the voiceover for it and it's just it's amazing uh but anyway so I, i'd recommend that but um i love it yeah i, I, completely I, I you know it's on me to watch list yeah there's a, there's a newcastle united one just coming out in the next i don't think it's, it's hitting amazon or what have you yet but maybe it will yeah um, about when they just got promoted with rafa benitez um, you know, back to the Premier League after going down for a season, and, it, and it's it's uh, it's not as from what I just read a review the other day. Um, kind of typical Newcastle United, it's up and down. Yeah, it's not a it's not a oh look how great we are type thing. It's I think it's digging into the nitty gritty uh, drudgery that it is to be a Newcastle fan as well. So yeah, I, I, that'll be on me. Um, you know, watch a bit of Pep Guardiola. Hey guys, come on, you guys, come on. Guys. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, but Leeds is interesting to me because big part because of Bielsa, and then mm-hmm. watching them play, they like, pop. If 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 I can get a bunch of players who can produce that kind of football, you know, John John Hawks is trying to do similar type thing in um, in Greenville. Obviously, you know, mm-hmm. they're they're boom boom boom. Yeah, that's exciting football, you know, but it's so bloody risky. <laughs> yeah, very, very much so. Very much so. But it's great. It's great. That's football, man. Wow. Carl, we've been talking for almost an hour and 15 minutes here, and uh, I, I really appreciate the time. One last question before I get you out of here. Um, yeah. What do you want, I guess? Y- what do, you, what do you see in terms of what are your goals as a, as a pro soccer coach moving forward? Um, in Jeff's piece with The Athletic, you mentioned that you, you see yourself really as a, as a really good number two. Um, and is, is that still a goal of yours to maybe go be an assistant manager in MLS? I know you said you interviewed for, with Chicago. Um, yeah. you know, do, do you have aspirations to continue to move up that ladder? Or what are your goals as a manager moving forward now that you're back? 
No, I think I think um, when I did that interview with Jeff, things were different. Mm. Uh, you know, I've had a couple of years since I did that interview to, for greater reflection, self-reflection, introspection, and I think I have what it takes to be a head coach. I am firmly rooted in, in my focus at this point is purely forward Madison. Um, I'm, I'm not looking beyond that. I, I'm looking forward to getting back into the game, working with the fan base, winning a championship, um, and staying there at this point. I have no aspirations. Of course, I've got to do a job um, and, and you know do well for the football club. But I re- I'm not really looking. I'm saying I'm not really. I am not looking anywhere and looking beyond it at this point. Um, if that goes well, and uh, which I, I expect it to, it certainly would be for a want of effort and trying. Um, I, I can see myself being happy there. But then, you know, if if you know success comes our way, uh, then who knows? I think it's it's normal to keep your options open, but. I know, I know as a business group, I'm looking to do some other things in the future as well. Um, you know, the Madison, the, I don't know if you know the history of that, the, that the, the sort of ticket sales business behind the football club who, yep. you know, I was told that last week, it's like, we are in the business of selling tickets. Ah, there you go. So they've got aspirations to, to do bigger, better sort of things, you know. Um, Part of that might be in the football realm, you know. Um, but no, I'm, I'm firmly focused on Madison. Um, I'm going to sound like a real football coach here. Take each step as it comes. <laughs> <laughs> one game at a time. One day one at, game a time. at a time. There you go. What else can I say? It's a game of two halves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, I, I in, in all seriousness, I... I I'm not looking anywhere but beyond here, and I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into this thing because it's, uh, it, it, like I said, I mean, I didn't know what I was getting to, into when I got into Minnesota, mm-hmm. and uh, the fond memories and you know the, the lovely friendships that I have with, with uh, still Bruce Maguire every month sends me um, his, his mixtape um, that he, that he, he does it. And, um, you know, a bunch of the lads are still on that. So still yeah. got a really close connection with those fellas and, and the lasses. Um, no, it's just, it's just, this is the kind of football I want to be involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, MLS, yes, the football and that is great. And I love it. But right now, these are my people. This is the kind of football I want to be in. Carl, if there's one thing I learned over the last week is you are completely adored by any Minnesota United fan who is who has been a longtime supporter. And it's it's you know, it's great to have you right next door now with Forward Madison in the USL. Really looking forward to uh to seeing how things work for you over there. Um, can't thank you enough for having you on the podcast. I know, like you said, it's been a whirlwind for you the last uh last week or so. So I appreciate you taking a little bit of time. And uh, I hope, and I firmly believe this is not the uh, not the last time that we'll be chatting for sure. Well, give me a shout at me, thank Jerry. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Thanks Carl. Again. Appreciate it. Chin chin. All the best, mate.